Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, June 19th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And as always, we are putting the fun in functional sports content. Kev, it has been such a back and forth. But I don't know if I've ever had such a back and forth in terms of my confidence, literally in the span of hours, Kev. Okay, mm-hmm. we started talking yesterday. We were not confident. We were not excited. You know, we were talking about how the owners were, in essence, slow playing it to get exactly what they wanted. But then we started to hear drips and drabs of more optimistic news yesterday, right? I think it first started, I heard reports that Manfred and Tony Clark were having like a face-to-face negotiation or meeting in Arizona. Reports were that it was uh, productive on some level. So you're like, oh, Maybe they're now at least talking because we thought, you know, they had ceased negotiations. It was like, just tell us where and when. Then I was like, oh, wait a second. The sides are at least talking. Then we heard from John Heyman, one of the beat reporters that we definitely follow, who has been on this, who was saying that we may have a deal imminent. It looks like we've got a deal, and it looks like it'll be around 60 games. Then we heard from others, Ken Rosenthal among them, um, in essence saying, yep, we're kind of getting to it. It looks like it will be that entire kind of force majeure, prorated, but now it looks like we're settling on something between 60 and 65, and it looks like the uh, momentum is starting to build, ironically, about 60, 65 at the the complete prorated maintains the same numbers we've been talking about the entire time, but we're starting to get to the point, Kev, where you were excited in other sports, right? Like, we have dates, okay? You know, we've heard from Rosenthal the idea of July 19th or 20th. We've heard, you know, 65 games maybe where they ultimately wind up. Jason Stark then says 66 is probably where it's going to be because of scheduling purposes. This seems to be a little bit more granular. And in other sports, when you heard these granular details, it inspired confidence in you. Now, I know there is some back and forth still to happen. I'm not counting this as a done deal. I think it would be stupid to do so. But what is your reaction to this, Kev? Do you see this as positive steps or just more posturing by the owners? So it's positive because it's the first new offer they've made in months, right? Like we actually now saw an increase in the number of games and the increase of dollar signs that match the increase in the number of games. I will say, uh, the MLBPA, making sure that they tweeted out while all of these reports were going on, Mm -hmm. that the reports of an agreement are false, lets you know that they are, I mean, that's something, right? Like, they're like, eh, this is not, it's not, like, that's not something that happened in the NBA. That's not something that happened in the NHL, okay? Like, that's just, it shows that the tension between these sides still uh, still exists. And yes, it's good that we're, we're getting details, but I, I mean, if we're going to compare these things to the NBA, right, the difference is like the NBA is like, hey, these are the details. It's going to get approved, by the way, right? Whereas we're just getting what the details of the proposal are. And based on what we've seen, Dane, there's absolutely zero reason to believe the players aren't going to counter. If I'm not mistaken, their last offer, right, from the players, was 89 full prorated, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't there a 76 in there? I think that was 76, 75% from the owners. I see. All right. You know, I, yes, that may be very possible, right? I, what I would say here is I refer back to the Rosenthal um, kind of report. Now, everyone is saying here that the owners are saying 60, right? Or that that's the new proposal is 60 with full prorated. Rosenthal is going so far as to say the union's probably going to counter and we're going to settle somewhere at 65. You know, so for me... 
it's kind of the the reporting like Woj would do or Windhorse would do or Shams would do, looking forward as to like, here's where it's going to settle. So when you say in basketball, they're like, yeah, it's going to approve. To me, that's similar to Ken Rosenthal saying, yeah, the union's going to counter, but they're going to settle at 65 games, kind of like reading the tea leaves in a similar way. Um, I don't know for sure, but this sounds like positive energy to me. I, again, it's the best thing that's happened in a while. Okay. So that's kind of that. I mean, that's undeniable, right? Again, it's just the fact that this was also met with like a we didn't agree to nothing from the players. I just, I, I still feel like they they might be. I remember the basketball off. players haven't agreed to anything either. What? Okay, Dane, I'm telling you this. You you got to <laughs> stop comparing them. It's a bad look. Like it's Why? a bad Why? Like, the NBA, the NBA, right, was like, hey, here's our format. We're gonna vote on it Friday. By the way, gonna pass close to unanimous. And then it passes 29 to 1. We're gonna get the players to come on and talk about it. It passes 28-0. And even while they're figuring things out, they're like, Yeah, we're gonna figure it out. Here's our whole plan. Here's where everybody's staying. Here's who can come, who's cares who can't come. The NBA is so far ahead of them. And they're not even trying to get off the ground first. This is how low the bar is for baseball. Oh, it wasn't rejected immediately? Oh, my God. I We're going to get baseball. We're going to get baseball. Like, the only reason that baseball even has, like, this sliver of a chance, I think, is because they're operating on a completely different timeline, and they need to go now. Dane, they were supposed to – they tried to play on July 30th, and they pushed it back 20 days. Also. Wait a second, you thought, we heard reports that the NBA, Spencer Dinwiddie, thought it was going to be July 15th. It's right, not been pushed but this back. Is the thing. Spencer Dinwiddie said something, then Woj gave us a date, right? We're sitting okay. here, we're, we're trying to, Spencer Dinwiddie's not a credible reporter. It's fun when he says something. Dane, I'm not showing up here and telling you, hey, by the way, Max Scherzer said we're going to, remember when Bryce Harper gave us his schedule and we went through yeah. it just to see what it was? We can't say, ah, the NBA's had their hiccups as well. Spencer Dinwiddie sent out a bad tweet. No! Okay, but we have been over the last few days talking about all sorts of hiccups in the NBA. We're, we're about to in the next segment when the NBA Coaches Association have come out and formally said something. That's not a hiccup? It's the, but it's, it's a part of the process. It was always going to be a part of the process. But, Dane, the difference Isn't in what this negotiation part of the process? Yes, but there but there are different points in the negotiation. The, the the coaches are like, we want to be there. Everything's great. You are gonna like think about what they're arguing about. Baseball's like, hey, we need a format. Okay, they need a they need a format. Then we still don't know what the health ramifications are, right? Because we know that one side was like, sign a waiver, right? Mm -hmm. Now they're working on getting rid of grievances entirely, while the other side is like, let us stay home and pay us, right? While while you have Mike D'Antoni saying. No, I'm going to sue to make sure I can be there. That's how badly they want to be there. All right. I mean, we will continue to slightly see this differently, and we will see how it plays out. You know, one thing I do think is interesting, Kevin, now we're talking about the idea of 50 games, 60 games, potentially 66. I refer back to our friends at FanDuel. You know what's interesting to me? When they changed it from win totals to win percentages, when they hung MVPs and Cy Young Awards and all of this, there's always been that little asterisk, Kevin, right? The idea of we have to have 75 or more games for these to be kind of valid or enough of a season to uh, want to bet on it. Do you think FanDuel is going to adjust? Because ironically, they have they don't have that asterisk on things like the National League champion or the World Series champion, but they do have it on things like win percentages or the Cy Young Award. What do you think is the difference? Do you think one type of bet is different to kind of handicap with the variance than others? Why do you think some of those bets, futures bets, would have that kind of footnote and others wouldn't? I guess the expectation is that the playoffs are the playoffs. And again, when you're going to go from What's, what's really wild is that we're going to lose about 100 regular season games and we're going to actually add playoff games. Yes. Um, and I guess, if anything, right, the, 
you know, over a larger uh, time frame, typically the cream rises to the crop. And the expectation right. then is kind of that you can maybe trust your futures market, uh, I believe. So, and also, you know, uh, how many games you'll win in the regular season is going to be met with a criteria for amount of regular season games where I guess who's going to be the champion. I mean, unless they just went straight to the playoffs, basically like a 30 mm. game, like what the MLS is doing. Right. Right. Um, the MLB is back tournament. I, I don't think that I think then FanDuel would probably have to make some changes. I'm I'd have to, I'll say this. I could be wrong here. I think if let's just say they land on this 66 number that, you know, according to sure. Rosenthal, it's it's a middle ground and it also right. works really nicely for scheduling purposes. I think they might come back to us with win totals and not win percentages. I think they will. I think I agree with you, Kev. I think they're definitely going to convert it to win totals. The only reason they're hanging win percentages now mm -hmm. is because the denominator is unknown and the book still wants to get action, right? <laughs> and so this is the way that kind of protects them. Almost ironically, you know, we took, we're using the term prorated a lot here, right? Mm -hmm. And in essence, that is what the book is doing there, prorating it so that any bet you make can kind of be valid regardless of the denominator they still uh, – that they ultimately wind up on, right? This way, these last two yeah. months, they can still get action. It'll be interesting if – so I'm, I'm assuming, right, we, again, we fall short of the 75. It's going to be a full refund uh, regardless of your wager. Right. If by chance we get something, though, that let's just say somehow magically, right. Dane, they landed on an 82-game season, if they just leave the win percentage numbers where they are, that would be interesting because, I, you know, that's brand new information for the right. book and for the better. So you'd yeah. have to think that you could maybe find some type of holes in Absolutely. This. Absolutely, Kevin. And I had this conversation with Joe Ranieri because they all they did was do the math and literally translated a win total off of 162 to the winning percentage. And I've been making this point as we have learned things, even for example, if the East is going to play the East, that schedule strength changes competitive balance for teams one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the Boston Red Sox, instead of playing the AL Central and the AL West, you're playing the NL East. That's either easier or harder, right? The idea that the designated hitter may be in the National League is a help to some teams and a hindrance to others. We've talked about this before also. Injuries, people coming back, innings limits, suspensions. There's so much that has happened which changes the dynamic of these teams going into a shortened season. And I believe that the book has created some liability by just doing it as a straight conversion to a percentage. So one of these days, we should definitely look at that and see who is better benefited, but other details, we do think it'll be an expanded DH in the National League. It looks like a 16-team playoff, not only this year, but next year as well to recoup some of the losses. And then, of course, if this is agreed to, the players would have to drop their kind of break-open-glass grievance element of this. We'll turn our attention to the NBA. We talked about it a little bit. Some of the, not the players, but now the coaches' union is starting to talk. We'll talk about it. We'll try not to compare. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane East Kevin. We're putting the fun and functional sports content, trying to give you the edge, okay? If you've been watching this show over the course of the last month, you know Kevin and I have been batting around the ideas of how we return to play and what's a good look, what's a bad look, who's ahead of the game, who looks bad, all that stuff. And we do sort of see it differently. However, one of the things we do here on SportsGrid is give you the edge and the idea that we Winning percentages are live right now over at our partners on FanDuel. We think there is an edge here because, in essence, what they did, right, Kev, is just prorate the win total, right? You know, mm -hmm. so if a team was projected to win 81 games, their winning percentage up on it right now is 50. Okay, they're just simply doing the math, and we believe that we're now starting to understand that this season is going to look different 
from that original win total in a number of ways, right? Strength of schedules will be different. The compressed schedule now. So in only potentially 60 games, how teams can manage themselves, injuries, you know, a lot of things make who these teams are a little bit different going into a shorter season as opposed to, as you correctly say, the marathon where you don't necessarily care about strength or schedule, you know, where all of these things, it's such a war of attrition that will hurt everybody. Maybe not if it's 58 games or 62 games. So, Kev, what are some of the other things you may look at if FanDuel does maintain this winning percentage kind of market, right, given some of the other things we've heard? For example, I keep going back to this, Kev. Do you know? Here's one thing I don't know about baseball. Do we know about the Braves and the Pirates? Remember how that was supposed to be flip-flopped? Well, guess what? If the damn books are still hanging the, you know, Braves as whatever their winning percentage is, that's under the assumption that they're in the NL East. If all of a sudden they're in the Central, it's a lot different. Give me the under for the Pirates, the over for the Braves, unless that adjustment happens, right? Mm -hmm. Or if there's some teams who we know have some young studs that might have had innings limits on them originally and now coming into this shortened season, they're going to be able to let it all fly. Maybe that is a benefit to you. Maybe big time players who have come back from injury in this time is a big lean for you. I think all of them are valid. Uh, what things might you look for for that value in that kind of prorated winning percentage? I think the big difference is, so all of these things have typically applied, right? Who's healthy, who's not. But the idea of us caring about a strength of schedule in Major League Baseball, to me, is different. Now, some people might tell you that, you know, you'll take a look at who's in a division and you'll say, oh, this is a really strong division. Oh, it's a really weak division that they can take advantage of. And, and, and I totally get that. Right. But think about what we're doing with our NFL roster resets. Right. I, one of the foundational pieces of that exercise is figuring out a team's strength of schedule and yes. what that might mean for them. Right. Like I proceeded to tell you, I thought the Washington uh, Redskins could maybe be a surprise team and went through their schedule and handed them three victories. The right. strength of schedule mattered. Now, again. 66 is still 50 more than 16, but it's almost 100 less than what we're accustomed to, Dane. And I just think the idea of us factoring in the actual strength of schedule for Major League Baseball is so different that it then to me would beg the question of, do the books then actually have to factor in strength of schedule? And that's that's from what I've understood, Dane, that's always the dangerous point for the books when they're the ones that have to kind of do the guesswork. It's not all that dissimilar from those first couple of games that we're going to get in the NBA bubble with no fans and no idea the minutes limits and no idea how much people are going to care and what does it mean for being on a neutral site and who's been working out and who's not. That When they're the ones forced to do the guesswork, that's where we have the potential to make the difference. Absolutely. Here's another kind of case study of that. That's why so many kind of sharp bettors were excited to bet the AAF right out the gate. Right. Because we were on even footing with the books. No one knew. You know what I mean? We were all doing guesswork. The first few weeks of the XFL, we were on even footing from an information standpoint with the books. And now with the pandemic being the great equalizer. Right. We're sort of in a similar place. I do think it's interesting. I I think it's more than just strength of schedule, though, Kev. For example, look at my New York Yankees in mid-February. Right. Whatever their win total was. And it was amazing. It was like 98 or whatever it was. Right. Whoever was looking at that bet had to do so with the context that number two pitcher James Paxton stud bat Giancarlo Stanton stud bat Aaron uh, Aaron Judge would be missing a portion of that season. That was part of the calculus. Right now. It's not part of the calculus. All those guys are supposed to be ready to go, right? So you're you're using it thinking the landscape is one thing, but the landscape is something different. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you one way is better or worse or whatever. What I do believe is just factually true by definition that everyone has to understand is that it's different. And the books haven't changed it yet. So mm-hmm. there is inherently an opportunity. Let's change our gears right here, Kev, to the land of milk and honey, the NBA, where eventually here, 
the players are one thing, Kev, right? Mm-hmm. And players are talking, players are worried about, you know, Kyrie wants to start his own league, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. But the coaches' union has now come out, and we touched on this before. There's a slippery slope here involved now with the idea of the NBA reviewing the medical records of those and them coming in and making a decision on players that may be high risk and, in essence, banning them. Right. From coming to Orlando, from coming into the bubble. Now, I understand there are different players with health complications, but the rub is this. In many places, we've heard this for months, Kev, right? Older people are at high risk. We've heard about this disease spread in nursing homes and the like. Well, there are three head coaches in the, you know. Uh, renewed season among those 22 teams. I believe it's Gentry. I believe it's Popovich and D'Antoni who -hmm. are above like age 65, not to mention some assistant coaches, a a chunk of assistant coaches that also fit into that. And they're coming out and saying, or at least the union is saying that, you know, this severely jeopardizes um, future jobs for them. If they Mm -hmm. are seen as not being able to come to Orlando. Well, what about next year if this is still going on, right? These teams, these leagues are planning for this to be a long-range thing. And what does that mean for certain coaches? Here's what I believe the, here's where I think the quote is uh, is really important. And I'm finding it now, but what it is, is in essence, we believe that these humans are smart enough to in essence, understand their own risk and make that call for themselves. And what this would do with these protocols is almost like taking that decision away from them, and therein lies the rub, right, Kev? Yeah, I guess the question is, Dane, if the absolute worst happened, right, would would people really go, ah, it's not the NBA's fault? Some of us, I guess, maybe would. I I don't know how you balance that situation. I guess ultimately the blame would still probably get pointed at them, though, for resuming, right? If you didn't ever give them an option, then they would have never actually had to make a decision. And therein lies the danger for the NBA. And and that's what's really interesting about this is, you know, again, the NBA is saying, listen, we need to do the absolute best possible situation here. Right. Okay. When it comes to how we're going to handle the health, we have to, we have to be as cautious as possible. Right. And, the and it probably will be very safe. I'm reminded when the UFC in Vegas was much safer than the damn casino. You know what I mean? So the bubble may be safe. I don't, I'm not doubting that the NBA will put in place everything possible to make it safe. But that's even all the more reason that a coach should be able to make their independent decision. Or anybody, to be quite honest. Yeah, and, and I think it's... Look, I think it's a tough slope, though, Dane, because, again, if, if one of those coaches gets sick, yep. the idea that the onus will be entirely on one of yep. those coaches is a myth. It, that's not how it'll go. The NBA will get flack. How could you let them show up? Why did you even bring the league back in the first place? That I, And now the thing is, again, the, the idea is they're expecting positive cases. So we have to keep that in mind. They're not approaching this from the idea of no one's going to get sick. So if you're kind right, of you like the isolation hotel for when it happens. But the thing is, if you're expecting it, though, then people that are at higher risk, you have to be overly cautious about. And I have to believe that a part of this is, listen, Greg Popovich doesn't have to worry about job security. OK, that's comical. Alvin Gentry, I also think, is pretty secure in New Orleans. I think him and David Griffin seem to have a nice relationship. Mike D'Antoni is a free agent at year's end. Him and Houston seem like... Yeah. They are going to be parting ways, and there's a decent chance, in fact, there are odds on it at the FanDuel Sportsbook, that neither Popovich or Alvin Gentry's team will be in this bubble past eight days. Right, right, right. Rockets are like top five-ish range yep. to yep. win the title. Absolutely. So I, that's where I think Mike D'Antoni's situation semi-complicates this a lot more. Also, the thing that, I mean, and I'm sure you'll write with unions, they have to also not allow precedents to be set, right? That's right. They have to kind of get in That's front right. of things. Um, and and, and you so know. the individual cases are interesting, and I think D'Antoni is a very good one. But think about this. You know, you're only looking at the very top, right? Like, there's probably, and I don't know all of them. I guarantee you there's a bunch of assistant coaches that are above that age on some of these teams that are championship contenders. And, but and- the thing is, Dane, they won't go. Assistant coaches, see, this is the thing. 
The, right, but it's about the perception of their long-term employment prospects, though. If if an assistant coach is, you know, nah, you can't come, then is that next team going to hire them for the following season when this is potentially really, an issue? Do you think that's real? Do you think that a team would say, oh, I can't bring Mike D'Antoni in after if he would potentially stay home? Maybe, and maybe the I'm start not. Of the next season, which is going to be in December, still has this cloud of the pandemic, and there's still certain situations here on the health front then yes, it's a valid concern. Yeah, and actually we did both kind of uh, close out yesterday by saying the NBA should stay on the phone with Orlando. Right. Um, about potentially having to run there in December. So what's going to look comments. like when next season is supposed to start when D'Antoni's going to want to have his next contract by. This negotiation, yeah. like he's going to try and get a new job, right, in the month of November. What did we say yesterday about what Fauci was saying in October and November? I do think it complicates this. I want to ask you a question related to this. And Kev, I apologize in advance if it catches you off guard. We have never talked about this before. What was your position at this point, probably about five years ago, when Chris Bosch wanted to play with his blood clots and the Miami Heat and the league was like, nah, man, sorry, you can't. Yeah, um, that's the correct decision. You, you have to. St the thing is, you have to stop people from themselves at times. I like. Do you I see this love. as comparable? I, I, I just thought about it yesterday. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. That's what this would be, right? Not it, someone saying, you know oh, I don't want to go. Someone saying, I the want, problem. and them that, telling me externally, I can't. And the problem, though, is that the NBA has the opportunity to go, look, here are exact right. medical reasons where COVID— This one is about risk, yeah, not and that, and that's actual diagnosed thing. It's very interesting. It's a slippery slope. We'll talk about it more, and we'll bring in our guy Martino Puccio as well. We're talking football when we come back. It's the early line, giving you the edge on sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back into the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. We spent the beginning of the show again trying to figure out. It's it's funny, Kev, because you know you and I are making trying to make sense of the irrational, right? And so that is what I think we are trying to apply our logic and our sensibilities to something that is so difficult with so many details and so many valid, valid, varied perspectives on personal decision-making. It is very tough, but Kevin and I try and do it every weekday here on the early line. But what we also do is give you the edge when it comes to European soccer. And we bring in our guy, Martino right now he does the show free kick on the network and is really one of our insiders martino how you doing not bad everything's back into full swing i'm really happy yeah. about it because it you know it helps it out a little bit because they have all the dates like the euro would have started today with the group play and everything but i'm like yeah. it's all right like we literally got everything back and over here we can't figure out half the leagues and what they want to do hmm. there's like a new story every two seconds so it's nice to not get annoyed by everything, and, and that's why we watch the sport, right? Yeah, listen, even soccer here in this country is giving us confidence, right? We've got dates. We've got a format. We've got pen to paper on that one. But, you know, outside of the World Cup, the biggest soccer event of the year has to be the Champions League. Every time I hear Champions League, you know, that little song commercial gets in my head, the champions. I think about it all the time, but it seems like they are back. Now, Martino, catch us up because this was supposed to be going on in Lisbon, in Portugal, but it seems like when the pause hit, correct me if I'm wrong, we were kind of in the middle of like the home and home legs. How are they attributing that? I'm hearing that we may now go even to single elimination. That seems like a big impact with teams at this level. Yeah, it's so it's huge, right? They were in the middle of the round of 16. So Liverpool was eliminated the day uh, the NBA was canceled with the whole Pelicans game. 
and all that stuff. So that was massive, right? Because everyone knows how big Liverpool is. They made the final two years in a row. Um, they're running away with the Premier League. So that was a massive favorite. Atletico knocked them out. Atletico's struggling to get to a Champions League spot in La Liga. So this yeah. that completely changed the odds and everything. Man City won their massive game against Real Madrid. So half of the game, half of the matchups were completed. The other half still have to finish the second match. And so that's so fascinating because of the away fixtures and how important away goals are. Aye. So if you don't if you don't have that home advantage and if you played at home like Lyon, for example, that beat Juve, they didn't give up an away goal. Like that's massive for them. For now, they go they're supposed to go to Italy and play Juve now. Like, they have the advantage. They don't have to. Like, it might be easier for them to score an away goal there because you don't have to worry about the home home crowd advantage and everything because we've seen that already in Bundesliga. We've seen it really hasn't going to probably be making a difference in any of these other leagues. So, I mean, that's significant change. Um, the final eight's going to be in Lisbon. So, it's going to go single elimination, uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, which are usually two legs. Now, a one-all match, anything can happen in a one-score sport. Wow. So, I mean, think about future odds now. Why wouldn't you take some of these teams right now? Because that's just as good of odds as any. The same yeah. variance theory in play. Sorry, Kev, right? The same variance. And now it's a one-game idea, kind of like the NBA playoffs when we're talking about, right? Um, so this idea, and some of these teams are already in to the round of eight. That is going to be very interesting. Sorry to cut you off, Kev. No, all good. I, I, you know, Martino, I think one of the big things that, that recent uh, news that just came out uh, involving the team that is tied with Atletico Madrid for odds to win uh, the Champions League, that's uh, RB Leipzig. Timo Werner, though, will not be with them for those games, uh, has now confirmed his move to Chelsea. Bit of a shock move because a lot of people thought that him and Klopp uh, were going to connect over at Liverpool. I'm curious what you think this move can mean for Chelsea, but probably more importantly... Is RB Leipzig now a team that's pretty much without a prayer in mm. terms of advancing in the Champions League? I mean, that that certainly puts a massive dent into this. It's like, when you look at the odds, right, it's like plus 1,200, the same as Atletico yeah. that has already advanced. Like, you have Juve and Cristiano Ronaldo were plus 1,600. That's a pretty sizable drop-off for a guy that can win a game at any point in time. Um, look, Real Madrid's still in it at plus 3,400. Like... It's so it's so big because even you were discussing it. Like as well as they've been playing most of the season, they get a lot of goals scored and all that stuff. They haven't been flawless. Like they're drawing against Paderborn, getting a red card against them. <laughs> you know what's going to happen when they play in the Champions League and they don't have their best player by far? I, it's a massive coup for Chelsea. That's a position that they desperately needed to have uh, solidified because they haven't really had that much stability there. They had Diego Costa for a little bit a few years ago. But now this was this is a guy like around, you know, his early to mid-20s that could solidify that position for, you know, six to seven years or so, depending on how it goes. So, I mean, look, it, it's a massive blow for Leipzig. Um but again, that's just the nature of how they work, though. A lot of these teams don't keep these guys for a long time. So if they could cash out at a certain point in time, like 50 million euros in this market, it's a pretty damn good deal because, you know, a lot of things are up in the air. Yeah, Martino, I remember asking you that a few weeks ago, right? Would the pandemic and the economic fallout of the pandemic force some of these soccer clubs into sales or loans that they may not would have made earlier? I don't know if this exactly fits that situation, but it's very intriguing, the financial walls closing in. Martino, you mentioned Juve, the old lady. I just like saying that they have Cristiano Ronaldo, and obviously they're a contender, you know, 16-1 to to win Champions League, but they lost out on another potential trophy in in their own country, right? Napoli actually winning Coppa Italia. Tell me, what impact might that have on these teams? Um, uh, well, for for Juve first, I guess we'll start with them. Look, they looked absolutely terrible in the in mm. the two games that they came back in. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. They, I thought they got outplayed in the first game. They only advanced because of the away goal situation, and they only scored a penalty in that matchup, right? So it's not it's not even like that great. Cristiano, I don't like look. He struggled mightily when the first, when the original season first started. Then he went off and set the the league's goal scoring record for consecutive goals in, in in games played with twelve in a row, which is unheard of in that league because it's so defensively tight knit. And then now, now you're looking at it and you're like, what the hell happened? He looks slow. He looks sluggish. It looks like the time off really didn't help him a lot. 
but I'm willing wow. to give him the break because he's simply the greatest athlete that's played this sport. So he deserves the benefit of the doubt. But now this is two times in a row that we've seen where he's had this long sort of layoff where he's struggling and showing a lot of rust. And this is the whole team too. It's not like they're playing really well. And look, minus 240, we always go with like, nobody's beating the Warriors and KD until we see them lose, right? And that's perfectly fine in saying that because they're so dominant. Juve's won eight years in a row. You say the same thing. I lost them against the Raptors at minus 300 for a series price, Martino. Do not remind me. Well, hey, look, man. I, you know, it, 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 it ended the same way it started, right? They got lucky against Fair. the Cavs. They got unlucky against the Raps. It's, it's all cyclical. It's the way it goes. Yeah, it, it's the way okay. it goes. But look, for, for Juve, this this matters a lot. Every, the whole reason they get Cristiano Ronaldo, half of it's a brand thing. The other half is winning the Champions League. Like, mm. it's all fine and nice for them to win the league like they right. do all the time. It's great for Iona basketball to win the MAC right. tournament and the regular season, but we want a tournament win. They want to they win the Champions League. Yeah, that. they have to elevate their level. Same thing with Gonzaga, too, right? It's another good example. Like, Gonzaga Does wants PSG to win the National League. Does PSG fit into that category? Does PSG they fit do. into that category? They do. They absolutely do. I mean, they never won the Champions League. They've never been to the Champions League final. They're a little bit younger than a lot of these teams. It's, right. it's sort of like new money is what they call these teams, like Manchester <laughs> City, too. Um, yeah, yeah, Chelsea yeah. Chelsea's considered old money at that point, even though it's just been 20 years or so. But... Look, uh, PSG falls underneath that, but for Juve, look, it's getting really desperate now because mm. you're down one nothing there in the Champions League against Lyon. You don't really have the advantage at home because they have one of the best advantages in Europe. Uh, if they're I... not going to have fans there, I mean, look at what, look at what's going to happen here. I, I don't know if they're not looking this sharp. Like, I, I don't care what anyone says. The way they're playing right now, they're not winning anything at this point. Like, they're going to lose the league as well because they simply cannot carry this over. Maybe they do wake up. Maybe they didn't care about this cup. But I mean, mm. look, it's not looking good uh, in my opinion. So that's what I wanted to ask you. And you mentioned that minus two forty price. Right now, there are odds available for who will win uh, the league trophy. Uh, they're minus two forty. Lazio behind them at plus 240. Inter's available 12 to 1, 95 to 1 for uh, our boys Atalanta. Realistically, it's a two-horse race, though. Juve, though, this deep into the league, only being one point ahead of Lazio is why this is available. It still does show, considering the gap, how much uh, Juventus is given their credit because they're still a minus 240 favorite despite the one-point advantage in uh, points and also, by the way, uh, Lazio is a much better goal differential. They've been a- a- incredible what they've been able to do. So the question is, Martino, you know, do they turn this around? Because the one thing that kind of jumped to my mind is this is a, a club that's supposed to win trophies. If they're going to miss out on the Coppa Italia, they better win, uh, you know, the outright league, right? Minus 240, it's – look, it's a, it's a decent-sized price. It's not outrageous, and it's certainly not what you would expect on a team of Juventus's caliber this late into the season. No, you wouldn't, but they've had this they've had weird stretches during this like 8 or 9 year run where they're just dominating. Some years they're just invincible and it's not even a discussion. Some years it drags out where Napoli was really close and then they end up winning in the second or third like match week left. That's just what they do, and that's why we always give them the benefit of the doubt. That's why the odds makers, despite one point, they're saying minus 240. Like, they lost the Super Cup match against Lazio. They lost in the regular season matchup against Lazio. Like, they've proven that they could beat them any given day. But Inter's also lost to them both times. And, and, and that's, like, the team that's in the third place running. That's the team that everyone thought would have been competing with them alongside Napoli. Both those sides have struggled to an extent at times, where Lazio now... <sighs> It's, they've been playing so great, and they had a disappointing season last year, and Chiro Immobile is their top guy. He was going to go for the goal-scoring record. You just don't know how it affects them with this layoff, right? Because I thought, personally, out of all the teams where the layoff hit them, this hurt them the most because they had so much momentum. It was just one point back. They were going to soon to be playing all these favorable matchups there that could pick up all these points. So for me, look... Juve is still the favorite. It's still one of those things that, like, you can't bet against them unless they lose. But Lazio is definitely worth it at this point because what if what if Juve does drop the points and all of a sudden Lazio moves out in front? Mm-hmm. Then the odds change significantly. You're not going to get a better price on Lazio. 
Giants. All right. Well, listen, Martino, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about the Bundesliga. So we have some questions for you in that league. Also, what many people believe is the best league in the world, the English Premier League, has kicked back off. So when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about some matches going on in England and in Germany and get your takes for what is a big match day weekend out there in Europe. We'll do that when we come back right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. We got our guy Martino in with another segment for us because, you know, we've been talking about everything from Champions League to Italy, but it is Bundesliga that has been kind of tickling our fancy over the last month or so because of their return to play. And I saw what looks like a big matchup coming up uh, tomorrow. Right, where we have second place Dortmund against third place uh, RB Leipzig. Now, Kevin mentioned in the last segment that their best scorer is not there anymore, right? So when I see them up against Dortmund, and then I also see Leipzig in third, three points clear of Leverkusen, four points clear of Gladbach, I wanted to ask you not only, Leipzig, how they might fare here in Dortmund, but are they in any danger of having Leverkusen or Gladbach leapfrog them and maybe not qualify for Champions League? Um, I don't think they're in danger for not qualifying for Champions League. Okay. Um, and, and the thing is, Timo Werner is going to be playing the rest of his Bundesliga season. I it's see. Just, okay, my it's mistake. It's just not the Champions League part of the season. I see. So the my second bad. Bundesliga is done. Yeah, yeah. No, I. it is confusing. It just, it, none of it really makes sense. I don't know how. Like, I figured you finished the whole season in general. Like, he right. can't even play for Chelsea in the Champions League at this point. I see. And they have Bayern in the return. But, look, I mean... It, Leverkusen and Gladbach haven't really given anyone a reason to like think that That's like true. Leipzig could lose it. You know, like, you know what I mean. Like they're drawing against teams and not taking advantage of the points that they need to pick up on. And we you know, know how couldn't, couldn't Leipzig lose this to Dortmund? Stay at mm-hmm. sixty-three points. Couldn't Leverkusen and Gladbach both get wins because they have you know lesser teams this match day? Mm-hmm. And if that were the case, Leverkusen would be at sixty-three, tied with Leipzig. Gladbach would be only one point back of them, and then they have what one or two more match days? I mean, it seems. I know it's mathematically possible at of least, course, but yeah. you don't think you don't think being at a flat-footed tie potentially after this weekend with Leverkusen with Gladbach only one. Like no, it's, no, 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 it's it's possible. I just haven't seen oh, like enough evidence from these I guys to to from Gladbach and Leverkusen yeah. to do it. And the funnier thing is that like Leipzig is the favorite heading into this, even though it's not like you know a massive favorite. And the triple money line they're plus one twenty five. Dorman's plus one ninety. So like that's a pretty decent sign. And I'm kind of surprised by that. I would probably rather take Dortmund at this point because Leipzig. Look, to me, like, you could take any of these, and I, I think either team can win in this. I know that's kind of lazy, but but it, but in terms of this, like, Leipzig just hasn't really stepped up in a lot of these games. Like, like some games, like, like, you see them play, they're playing great, and then other games you're kind of like, all right, how are they really in this Champions League spot? You were talking about, like, are they going to lose it at this point? But, you know, these other teams have to step up too. And Leverkusen and Gladbach drop points like that. Look for for me. I I think if they get a draw, it's it's fantastic for them. Um, otherwise, look, I I think they need to get points out of this. If they get points yeah. out of this, that pretty much solidifies it, right? Even if it's a draw. If they lose it and Leverkusen and Gladbach take advantage of it, it's right there. They're still going to be ahead of Leverkusen if they're tied on sixty three because the goal differential is massive. But at, at that point, man, I don't I don't know. Like they really have to step up now. Maybe Timo Werner gives them one more gift before he heads out. Um, after these two to three games, but uh, for 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 me, this is a, this is a total t- a toss up. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for overs and totals uh, because this is just going to be a ton of goals uh, in this matchup. I think it's just going to be a free for all. Um, everyone just wants to keep on scoring and patting their uh, statin, uh, patting their stats. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, and Holland looks like he's coming back. I mean, he just came off the bench and he just scored a goal after coming back with a muscular injury. So I, I think he's out for blood too. Um, yeah, so for for me, I th- I think I would just wait for lineups to come out because I fair think enough. So let me important. ask you, 
Last one about Bundesliga. Let me ask you about those other two squads. Leverkusen and Gladbach, the chasers, right? You're right. They haven't kind of performed well recently, kind of pissing away some opportunities. They are both big favorites against teams that are not, you know, necessarily still contending. They have everything to play for. Would you be comfortable with a little Leverkusen-Gladbach parlay? Um, I think I would, but I'm, I'm more comfortable with Gladbach winning their matchup. Hertha Berlin has shown on occasion that they could step up in some of these matches. I know um, editor Steve loves uh, Paderborn to come through with some of these matchups. Watch hey, look, say. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's certainly possible. You, you never really know. Like, some of these teams could, could play awful in these matchups. But look, I, I mean, you could go Leverkusen, Gladbach, and then if you're really loving Dortmund in this matchup at plus 190, why the hell not try and do a triple money line parlay there? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that could potentially pay you out because, look, uh, Leverkusen minus 165 is pretty decent uh, to get for, for a favorite in, in that matchup. Uh, Kai Havertz again, man. Like, this, this kid's unbelievable. Like, you think Timo Werner or Jaden Sancho are the hot names in Holland in this. Havertz is right in that conversation. And who knows where he'll be going because his price just goes up like another $10 million each game that he plays in. So, <laughs> so I really do like all these teams to get something out of it. But, look, Leipzig has the most pressure underneath them out of all this. But uh, I think Gladbach and Leverkusen, it's a pretty safe parlay if you just want to go the two. The one thing I know about all four of those guys is that at some point they will be, if they have not already been linked to Manchester United, that is how uh, that is how the rumors work over uh, in the world of uh, European football. Uh, Manchester United is actually in action here uh, on Friday, Martino, against Tottenham. And this is a big, big game for both of these clubs. Uh, Manchester United is trying to push into a top four spot. They are on the heels of Chelsea. Tottenham has been a bit of a disaster season for them uh, and a loss here would pretty much absolutely lock in that they've got no chance in one of those European spots. The The main storylines here, Jose Mourinho is going to is that is coaching Tottenham against United. Harry Kane's back. Wang Meng Sun is back. Deli Alley not playing because he got suspended for insensitive comments around COVID. Pogbush is, you know, probably available. Marcus Rashford is going to be playing in this game. Overall, I mean, I'm expecting a lot of goals. Do you have anything that jumps out to you for uh, what is a matchup between two Titans here on Friday? Yeah, no, I think I think this is, like, Spurs are so messy, man. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, you think, like, oh, it's great the break helped them out. Harry Kane was injured. They're obviously the best goal scorer. Um, you know, they needed some time to get assimilated with Mourinho. And then all of a sudden, he makes an insensitive comment. He's suspended for this game. Um, and then United gets back Marcus Rashford because he had that... It was, like that, his injury was handled as poorly as the 76ers handled their injuries, right? Oh like Ben Simmons coming out, all of a sudden he's thrown <laughs> up after a game against Milwaukee. Like, why is he even out there? Like, they're playing Marcus Rashford over 90 minutes in a game where they know he has back issues. The kid's 22 years old. Like, why would you do something like that? So, look, um, I don't know. It's kind, of, it's kind of rough to say. The over-under 2.5 is probably something the safest mm-hmm. to look at. Um Man, again, it's like these teams are just so inconsistent and wild. I'm probably staying away from this game just in general. I think this is just a match to watch for me, in my opinion. If you want to put some money on it, I would I'd probably maybe lean towards an over in that. These defenses aren't really particularly that great. They have offensive firepower for both of these teams. But we can kind of see, like, you know, Manchester City was a little rusty, and they have a much better attack than both of these teams. So maybe that yeah. does apply to these guys, because still, this is their first match regardless, right? They haven't played a fully competitive match yet. Um, so so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I don't think I'm particularly leaning one way to see what it, which team wins, but I do think Man United have more positive momentum around them than mm. Spurs do. So another question I wanted to ask you is one of the things we talked about a lot with the Bundesliga has been these teams on the road, right? And that's really what set this precedent for us to feel that the road teams have the advantage. Um, eight of the nine weekend games, so from today, Friday, until Sunday, I'm leaving out the City Burnley game to make my point stronger. <laughs> eight of the nine games feature a road favorite. A road favorite. I mean, so if you just want to roll with the road teams, you got a fair argument to make, and it jumps off the table for me in this uh, in this early early start that you'll see on Saturday with uh, Watford hosting Leicester City. Leicester City's been, in terms of quality, far better than Watford 
on the season, but their last three trips to Watford, they've come away with no points. They've been beaten in all three of those matchups. I almost feel like it's the type of game that you can watch, and if you see a road favorite come through, you can now resume the rest of your day taking on the, the, the road favorites potentially. What do you think about how the idea of, again, road teams getting out on top in the Premier League, do you think it applies the same way it seemingly did in the Bundesliga? Yeah, no, I think that's something I've been saying on here the past couple of weeks before this league started up. Like, the Premier League, anyone thinks they can beat anyone. Like, right? Like, a lot of these other leagues, like, sometimes these guys will just lay down. They won't give a fight. Uh, like, a lot of managers that go from different leagues and go to the Premier League say it's by far the toughest league in itself to win. So that, so that really in itself means that, like, it doesn't matter if you're on the road, if you're at home, these teams are going to step up and try and play their best. Watford, we know like their signature win of the season was beating Liverpool, ending their undefeated season. Yeah. And that was a huge buster for, I don't know how many people had them in parlays. I know sure. we were still like, we were talking about it and, and how big of a deal that was. But yeah, look, I mean, road, road favorites, why not do it? Um, Leicester City still has a lot to play for. It's not a guaranteed Champions League spot. And you got to remember too, the position that you get within the table matters so much because of the pot that you get in in the Champions League. If you finish second, it's a much more favorable group that you're likely to True. get in the Champions yeah. League opposed to like a third or fourth place because you could be potentially getting the group of death uh, for some people. So I, I think that plays a part into it. And look, Leicester City, man, I mean, how could you count these guys out? Like, at this point, like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, Were they like 5,001 that year? It's yeah. the greatest upset in sports uh, history. Like, it, it, I, I don't care about the miracle on ice. That was just a few games. It's 38 <laughs> games that they had to play at 5,001. And no, it's literally like if the if the Cleveland Browns, after they won their one game, went on to win the Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's just absolutely insane what they did. And now they're still back. You know, it just wasn't even a fluke. They played well in the Champions League the, the year after that. And now they're back again after retooling and reshaping. So... I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, there's a couple of overarching points that I just want to make uh, on the Premier League before we wrap this up, Dane. Um, you know, we always talk about those Champions League spots. Three points separate 15 through 19 right now in the league table, so avoiding relegation is also massively up for grabs in the league. And then two games of interest. Brighton uh, is going to go against Arsenal. That's a very quick turnaround for Arsenal, but I think them being able to – like shake off that rust. I, I think that that is massive for Arsenal, and I like them to go out there and handle things against Brighton. My favorite game, though, you actually just mentioned them, Martino, uh, is Liverpool against Everton. You mentioned Liverpool's on that slump, but they started to kind of get game, back. by the way. So it's a big yeah. rivalry. Think about this. Okay, so and let me ask you this. You, you can judge these. Should they even consider it a rivalry when Everton is not one? I saw this stat in 10 years, Martino. 10 years! They've not been like looking. a hammer and a nail have a rivalry. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> exactly. No, no, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty one sided. It's you know it's kind of like Mets Yankees. Like, oh, it's a rivalry. Look at the title. Yeah, twenty seven two, but it's not really. Yeah, I understand. But look, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a pride thing. Liverpool want to get this wrapped up though. They haven't won the they yeah. haven't won the modern day Premier yeah, League title. They can't officially clinch it yet because City won their game against Arsenal. But look, it's huge. Absolutely. Well, soccer is back in Europe, and we are lucky that we have Martino to help us out, help you get a little bit of cash as we go into the weekend. That'll about do it for our number one. When we come back, you know how it goes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Um...